Welcome to This Old App, a podcast about learning, coding, smashing stuff together, breaking things apart, startups, failing, winning, and any other buzzwords we can think of. Hey, good afternoon, Randy. Hey. This uh, this week, we've got a, another guest on with us today. We have Jesse Weigel with us. Um, Jesse uh, is an instructor um, on Free Code Camp. He does some uh, tutorials through YouTube. Um, Jesse, you want to introduce yourself real quick? Hi, I'm Jesse. I'm a front-end developer uh, for a small university, uh, and I also do uh, a lot of live coding sessions for Free Code Camp. Very cool. So, so let's start. Let's start with uh, Free Code Camp. How did you get involved there? How did how did you decide to start doing these these tutorials for Free Code Camp? All right. Well, uh, a little over a year ago, I, I I just had the idea uh, that I wanted to get the computer science students in my university more involved uh, because I, I wanted them to get some stuff on their GitHub profile. And I thought this would be a good opportunity uh, for them and a good opportunity for me uh, to have kind of a team working on these projects. So I thought, what if I live stream what I'm doing, you know, my day to day work? And um, and I, I just put it out there. I sent a message to the computer science club and then I happened to just put a message on the free code camp forum and I said, Hey, I've never done this before. I'm not, I don't, don't really know what I'm doing. If anybody has any advice for me, please let me know. Well, I ended up getting a lot of clicks on the link to my live stream from that forum. And one of those clicks was from Bo Carnes, uh, who is a big contributor to Free Code Camp, especially through the YouTube channel. And uh, he took a look at it and liked it and talked to Quincy about it. Uh, who, Quincy's the, the head of Free Code Camp. And they invited me to live stream on their channel. And at the time, their channel had over 100,000 subscribers. So I thought, yeah, definitely, because I had a few, you know, a handful of subscribers on my channel. Sure. Uh, yeah, so I, I did it, and uh, they liked it. And I, you know, they had said, well, you know, how often can you do it? And I said, well, can I do it, you know, five days a week? And I said, yeah, great. So I ended up live streaming about an hour or two, uh, five days a week. And I, sometimes I can't get to five days because my schedule is just too busy, but, um, yeah, but that's how I got into it. And so I, I didn't set out to have, um, I I didn't set out to stream for free code camp, uh, but I'm glad that it happened. And I didn't really set out to live stream to a large audience. Um, I think maybe a few of the people at my university have seen it, (laughs) <laughs> but uh, it ended up being uh, more popular with with other people. <laughs> sure. So, can you like what is Free Code Camp? I really i I've seen it. Like I've seen it on Medium. Um, I guess they're like a sub publisher or something. But I don't really know what the objective. Like the founder, you said is Quincy. Mm-hmm. I don't know much. Can you just give us some details about what is Free Code Camp? What's their objective? What are people getting out of it? Um, yeah, so uh, they want to enable people to learn how to code uh, for free. And so it started with, a, I'm, I'm, I've been a member of Free Code Camp uh, f- almost since the very beginning. 
Um, so if, if, if I can remember correctly, it started out with, um, at least when I joined, it was just some online um, challenges, coding challenges. So they, they sure. started you out with you know, your, your basics, HTML, CSS, and then move you into JavaScript. Uh, and then eventually you go all through front end um, and, and back end. And they give you these certifications. And the idea was that you would work on nonprofit projects when you were done, kind of as a way of, of giving back. Uh, it's since gotten a lot bigger. So as you said, there's that medium publication, you know, which is huge. Uh, there's also a forum. Uh, there's a whole uh, kind of knowledge base uh, that's it's it's set up almost like documentation for something, but it's it's documentation for everything you could think of uh, mm -hmm. that it has to do with tech. Um, and and everything that Free Code Camp does is is open source, so it's it's distributed over the entire world with you know hundreds, <clears throat> if not thousands, of contributors. Uh, all adding, <clears throat> sorry, uh, all adding, uh, you know, in their areas of, of expertise. Um, I'm trying to think if I'm missing. Oh, they have a podcast as well, mm -hmm. uh, and and the YouTube channel. Uh, so, you know, I fit in in the YouTube channel part of it. I haven't read any articles or anything, um, or even worked on. Uh, on, on the challenges, you know, all those GitHub repos are there. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's grown to be something just huge. And, uh, on the forums, there's a lot of really awesome stories about people who have you know, changed jobs and gone through free code camps curriculum and been able to get, you know, a lot, you know, better jobs. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's, that's really cool to see. Uh, so, so let's rewind a little bit more. I'm more. I'm also curious about how you got into this because obviously, Free Code Camp didn't teach you code. How did you learn all this stuff? How did you get to the spot where you are right now in your career? All right. Well, uh, it was mostly self-taught, right? So I I did take mm -hmm. uh, earlier on. You know, I had a, like a a week or two of basic HTML in high school. It was lumped together when with the class where you learned uh, all the Microsoft stuff, right? Excel and Word and all that. Yeah. Uh, so that was my my introduction to it back in the early two thousands, and I uh, I started to take a class in web development in college, and then I ended up dropping the class, uh, and I did successfully complete a C plus plus course, uh, and that pretty much ends mm -hmm. my formal education. Um, so here and there I would do a little bit of, of web development work, just, you know, very basic HTML stuff, but I, I didn't really consider it, uh, as a career. Um, I ended up getting a business degree and, uh, working a variety of jobs unrelated, uh, to coding. And I, I taught high school for a while. And then it, when I decided to quit, uh, I quit and then, you know, they pay you up until August. So you have that whole summer. And I thought, okay, I need to find a job. And towards the end of that summer, uh, a, a friend of mine from high school uh, met, saw my dad at a wedding. 
and handed him a card and said, Hey, I'm, I, I'm looking for people to work. And my, my dad had told him that I was looking for work. And so I connected, you know, reconnected with him and started doing some web work for him. Uh, mm -hmm. He had a, a media marketing company, did mostly WordPress stuff, a little bit of Drupal and Joomla here and there. That was like right around the time when um, you know, Joomla and Drupal were kind of falling off and WordPress was really taking over in terms of like the PHP content management yeah. system area. Uh, and he had developers on board when, when I started. Uh, so I was doing uh, like copywriting and uh, search engine optimization. Uh, but what had happened is there was, there was opportunity for work uh, at times that um, he, would, he would say, you know, I'll pay you for so many hours of work if you learn how to do this thing because I need it done and you know, the, the deadline's coming up. So I quickly realized, hey, I can, <laughs> I can get a lot more hours in here if I learn how to do this. So that's when I yeah. really started to get into JavaScript more and you know, at the time we were doing a lot of WordPress, so a little PHP as well. Um, but I did that for a few years and just learned what I needed to do for the project. So I branched out and did my own freelance thing as well. Um, so some of it was like subcontracting with my friend's company and then sure. some of it was on my own. Uh, but it wasn't really a plan to the learning so much uh, because, you know, when you're, when you're freelance, obviously – you know, if, if you're learning on your own, you're not getting paid. Yeah. Uh, so it was always driven by what does this client need? And I always tried to take on jobs that would be more challenging in areas I wanted to learn, but sometimes you just have to pay the bills. Um, so it wasn't, right. yeah, it wasn't really until I, I got this job. So the, this university um, is about 10 minutes drive by car from where I live. So I was always on the lookout for jobs there because it was so close. They had good benefits. You know, I thought, uh, you know, I'm going to check it out. So I ended up getting a job there and uh, they created a position for me. So I, they actually picked somebody else for the job I applied for, but created a, a position with a very vague job description for me, <laughs> and uh, which was great because I got to focus more. So then after I realized the areas where I could help, I really started to focus in on uh, JavaScript development, and then more specifically, um, especially within the last you know, year and a half, uh, React development. Yeah, and that's that's been great to be able to have uh, have the time for a more structured plan of learning. Um, because I I can choose what technologies we're going to use and how we're going to yeah. do projects. Uh, so it's not necessarily jumping from client to client. Uh, so that's, that's been nice and accelerated things. Um, and then at the point when I started live streaming, my learning actually accelerated faster than it ever has, which was surprising and, and uh, a really good surprise. Why did, what do you attribute that to? I mean, your background is very much like Don and I, I mean, all the way through the PHP and the Drupal stuff, because that's how Don and I had kind of started working together. So you're self-taught. You've been working on projects for clients and, you know, a variety of different things. And you've learned along the way. And that's exactly how we did it. But the interesting thing is what you said right there what, about once you started live streaming, your your own personal education ramped up. Can you explain that a bit? Yeah. So when I live stream, 
you know, I often get, I, I would say an average is somewhere between 20 and 30 viewers is an average mm-hmm. um, at any given time. And I always invite them to let me know if I'm doing something wrong. Uh, you know, call me out on it. Yeah. Um, you know, share their ideas for the projects that I'm working on. But then also um, I invite them to open their own pull requests on my project. So everything that I do uh, is open source and uh, it, they're all real projects that I'm working on for, for my job, for my day job. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, which is really nice. My boss allows me to do these live streams, you know, during work hours. Um, so what ends up happening is, you know, people that have expertise in, in areas that I don't submit pull requests or they suggest things. And I can't just pull that code in without knowing what it does and testing it. Yeah. So it forces me to learn new things that, that I didn't even know existed, you know, or I, I just would not really take the time to learn otherwise. Uh, so it's, it's constantly pushing me. Uh, and then you never want to be in that position on a live stream where you just have no idea what's going on. So it's it's kind of like a double incentive. Like I I want to understand the code before I pull it into the project, but then I also want to sound like I know what I'm doing on the <laughs> live stream. Uh, so but before, um, it was I worked on projects by myself. There was one other developer, uh, but he always worked on projects by himself. So anything I did, I did it. No one ever saw my code. I could have done anything. So it it would have been very easy to just stagnate in that situation. You know, as as long as I'm producing things that meet the requirements, no one would care. But now um, things like um, code formatting became a big deal. When it's, when it's just you looking at your code, it's really easy to be lazy about that. But when there are a lot of other people looking at your code, it becomes important. Like, is this readable? Um, yeah. Things like how to, like organizing uh, a Git repo and making sure that it's clearly defined, a readme, how to run this project, how to contribute, um, keeping things up to date, uh, all the packages up to date, because there are a lot of people looking at it and seeing like, hey, you... You didn't update this thing or that thing, and, and they remind you of it. You know, they'll open up uh, an issue on GitHub and say, "Hey, you're like ten versions behind on this thing. Like, you got to update it." Uh, so that was, I said, that was really unexpected, but it's been great. Just just kind of this great incentive uh, to keep going and to keep learning. And I, I don't want my stream to be too repetitive. So every time we we do a new project, we we use something new. Sometimes it's just the newest version of whatever we're using, yeah. but sometimes it's it's something completely new. Um, so it it really does stop me from just saying, "All right, I, I've done it like this. We're just going to keep doing it like this and go through it fast." You know, I I don't do that now. So I, I never wanted to get like that anyway. But now it's it's really you know the pressure's on. Um, and the pressure is also on to get things done. You know, I, I bring everybody up to date every day when I stream. I say, here's what I've done. Well, you know, if, if a week goes by and it's nothing's ever done except on the live streams, you know, it, it would be pretty obvious. Like, what are you doing? You know, occasionally there's a lot of <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of meetings, paperwork and things. And when that happens, I like to explain it because I want people to get a realistic view of, of what it's like for me uh, as a front end developer. Uh, and, and sometimes yeah. that happens, but uh, yeah, it's it's um, 
it's it's kind of like um, pair programming on a large scale. <laughs> yeah, suppose, sure. you know, and um, I've ne- I've never done that by the way. Like what you're doing <laughs> with that kind of pairing, um, group pairing, I've never. I might try it, but. I can't really right now think about the, having a lot that much accountability on my back while I'm doing a side project. So kudos well, for, to you for that, for right. sure. So Randy, the the you you teach the you teach the boot camp. Um, have have you seen that your your knowledge gets deeper after you teach a, a semester or so, just because you have to you have to dig into some of the corners that maybe you didn't dig in before or or strengthen something else? Well, yeah. I mean, when you, I feel like when you have to, and this goes right into what Jesse's saying, when you expose a subject to a bunch of people, you have this humongous growth of edge cases pop up, whether it's through the question from the, the class or, Students run into bugs you've never seen. And just like Jesse was saying, you want to feel like you always know what you're doing or at least stand up there with confidence. So that means you have to research things that you just don't normally care about. Um, my students have this, always have this ability to find things that they shouldn't care about and then ask me at the very beginning. Like I'm teaching variables and someone's like, can you tell me what a closure is? I'm like, whoa, this is way separate. Like, you don't need to be worried about that. You need to learn how to put a number to a variable name. But you don't want to shut them down, so you have to answer it as best you can. And so I do think that having this audience, by whatever means, forces your hand at being more knowledgeable, researching more, and being exposed to more edge cases that you never really needed to care about before. Um, Sure. Jesse, the one thing I'll tell you about teaching at the beyond the high school level is the insanity that is a high school classroom is not the same beyond that. So if you can teach a bunch of people through an online platform, I feel like you could teach a bunch of people face to face that are probably beyond the age of 20 that are grown up and looking to actually learn rather than just get a degree, a high school degree. So um, I found that with my class. I had a classroom of 30 students and I would say at least 80 to 90 percent were dedicated and terrific students um, in my situation. Uh, that sounds nice. I, I would like to teach in that uh, situation. Yes. <laughs> High school, I wouldn't. I don't know I could handle high school. A lot of high school is is just trying to enforce rules like dress code and and things like that. And I was <laughs> yeah. like, you know, that's not why I'm why I'm here. You know, <laughs> it's uh, yes, yeah. So I, um, yeah, it would be nice to have a class where the majority of the people do really want to learn. And uh, yeah, and so I mean, that's that's kind of what I have now. You know, nobody gets a, a yeah anything official from it, but. Uh, you know, a lot of people that are that are trying to learn, and it's it's nice. There's a lot of different people. Uh, we have people. We've had people that are under ten years old, and people that were. I think we've had people in their sixties. I'm not sure if we had anybody in their seventies, but and then you know, all over the world as as well. Uh, I've actually 
change the the times of streams occasionally uh, so that uh, one of our our regular viewers was afraid that their mom was going to yell at them because they're staying up too late to watch it. <laughs> so, yeah. so ended up uh, streaming earlier than normal, um, but but that's cool. And some people are are professional developers and have been for a long time, and other people are just starting. Um, some people are shifting from one area of of the tech world into a different one and trying to learn. Uh, so it's it's a nice it's a nice variety, and it's a variety that I could never get in a classroom. Uh, you know, where, where I'm yeah. at. For sure. For sure. So Randy, looking at, looking at, uh, free code camps, uh, front page, uh, it looks like they've got almost 2000 hours worth of, of various lessons, um, on everything from web design to front end libraries, to data visualization and so on and so forth. So, um, just back to what what free code camp actually has there's yeah there's a good amount of front end stuff here i wouldn't say that there's some there's a there is a certification on apis and microservices as well so um looks so like it's a good variety of stuff so jesse on for your i haven't seen your streams so explain a little bit about how you do it from the technical side are you just showing your coding screens, like just the monitor on a widescreen type of deal, or are you standing with talking head where you're talking to the screen? Like, how, what are you recording for them? Like, how long do you record and what are sure. you recording? Yeah, I'm, uh, we usually the recording is between um, one and, and two hours and it's always live. Um, I, I just, mm -hmm. I use uh, OBS it's a, a free broadcasting software. Uh, and I, yeah. right now my setup is the, the whole screen is one of my monitors. I usually run three monitors. Um, so one of my monitors, the viewers can see, and then I have a small rectangle down in the corner that shows my face and I'm just sitting, you know, in my normal mm -hmm. chair where I work from and I just have a webcam uh, that shows my face. At first, I didn't. For a while, I wouldn't show my face, and uh, I thought it would be it would be difficult to have to worry about my facial expressions, you know. Um, but <laughs> yeah. then I I got some advice, and I read some things about how how much more your viewers can understand you when they can see your facial expressions, and and so I thought, mm -hmm. okay, you know, like showing my face isn't about you know, me wanting to be on camera, it's, it's more about helping my viewers to be able to understand me. And especially since so many of my viewers, uh, you know, have another language other than English as their first language, I thought that would be really valuable. So I started showing my face. And so that's the setup that I have now. So usually, I do usually start to stream with a full screen on my face. And uh, that's, that's kind of nice because if I don't quite have my, my monitor ready yet, it gives me a little extra time to do an intro and set up my screen for everyone and make sure there's nothing, yeah. no passwords or API keys or anything on the screen <laughs> that I shouldn't show. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then when I actually do stream, I use uh, Pomodoro sessions to break the stream up. So uh, for anybody who's not familiar with that, it's just, it's a method of, 
uh, breaking up your workday. So I do a 25-minute session of coding, and then I take a five-minute break. Mm -hmm. I go to the live chat, and I answer any questions, and then I go back and do another 25-minute session of coding. I, I usually try to do two Pomodoro sessions. Sometimes I do more. Occasionally, I only have I can only do one uh, if you know I have a really busy day. Um, but that's that kind of keeps a nice flow of. Uh, I can always let people know if I see a lot in the live chat while I'm coding. I can say, "Hey, you know, hang on in ten more minutes, I'll get to all your questions." Uh, it, before I started doing it that yeah. way, um, sometimes when I got a lot of questions, we would get very little done with coding. Uh, and it, it would be hard to follow because I kept getting interrupted and trying to answer questions as they came in. Uh, so by breaking it up, it's, it allows me to get things done uh, and still interact. And if I, if I have a question, yeah. which you know I frequently ask questions when I'm doing things, especially when it's, when it's how something looks. And I'll, you know, I'll say, okay, we could do it like this, we could do it like that. What do you think? What's better? You know, and then I'll, I'll go back to the live chat. So I don't completely ignore the chat when I'm coding uh, or if I get stuck, you know, I'll say, what am I missing here? And often I'll look back to the live chat and somebody will have already caught my mistake and told me about it in the chat. Uh, so that's, that's yeah. actually a, a really big plus as well to coding live with all those people watching is a, a lot of those little mistakes that sometimes you'd spend a really long time looking for, um, you know, they, it's caught immediately. So if you mess up some syntax thing or even you misspell, you know, you spell variable two different ways, right? It's, you know, the, usually the viewers catch that. Uh, so I, I avoid those mistakes yeah. a lot <laughs> uh, when I'm streaming. Interesting. So quick question. Something I've started to watch a, a bit is uh, live streaming on uh, live mm -hmm. coding on Twitch. Um, have you looked into to moving to Twitch? Is that just you don't want to leave your audience that's already built on YouTube? Because it looks like Free Code Camp does have a, mm -hmm. a channel. Yeah, so Free Twitch. Code Camp started out with doing streams on Twitch, um, and then that kind of died down, and they went. You know, they had a YouTube channel, and their YouTube channel was mainly pre-recorded videos, um, and then. When I came on a little over a year ago and started doing you know, a lot more live streams, we've had a few other people do some live streams as well. Um, I guess I, I went to the YouTube channel because that's where we had the, the bigger audience. I did make a uh, Twitch channel, uh, not you know, separate from the official Free Code Camp channel, and just kind of made one and thought about doing the streams. Uh, so we, I may end up doing some Twitch stuff whether or not it's for free code camp i'm not sure uh, i have been told that there's a way to stream simultaneously to youtube and twitch uh, so that's a possibility and uh, i'd be open to that and then that way viewers could choose to watch on whatever platform they prefer yeah, but then you have two chats to follow. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Wow, that's a great, a great point. So <laughs> I may have to get uh, a moderator at that point to, yeah. <laughs> to help me out. Sure. But I could do I – when I'm at home, I, I have a MacBook Pro, and it has a rough time handling the streams. I have to shut everything else on my machine down 
Uh, but I'm, I'm at work in my office uh, at the university. I have a more powerful setup, so I could probably handle uh, more at there. So the Twitch stream maybe would start out as something occasional, uh, but I am interested in, in at least you know looking into that. Yeah, I've, I I still am am on the fence as to how big Twitch is going to grow outside the gaming arena. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I do hear a lot of people talk about it as a another place to grow your brand. So it's I don't know if it's worth diluting your YouTube brand to do it. It's it's an interesting question to ponder. Yeah, and I I wonder, and I I don't know any data on this, but. Um, in, in terms of tech, it's, it's no big secret that tech is kind of dominated by a certain demographic. Um, and I would imagine that that demographic lines up more with what's already on Twitch, uh, you know, kind of like the, the young, um, you know, kind of guy in your late teens, early twenties. Um, those seem to be the people that gravitate more towards, towards tech. Um, so I imagine there's definitely an audience on there, but I've always liked the idea of reaching out to other audiences. Uh, so, uh, in particular, you know, in the, in the stream, I think I think we do a good job in the chat of being welcoming to everyone. Um, I know, depend especially women, and um, I imagine other groups as well sometimes have a rough time of it uh, on social media with um, when it comes to coding and things. Sure. Um, you know, because you know, other people just say ridiculous things to them. Yeah. Uh, so in the chat, I've been able on YouTube to do a really good job of, of, we've really never had a problem. I've only had to ban two people in the last, you know, year plus, uh, from the, the chat. So it's kind of been an amazing, uh, you know, pretty diverse community, uh, that watches a stream. So, I don't know. I, I like that. And I just think it might be harder to get something like that on Twitch. Uh, so I'm not entirely against Twitch, but uh, I would just imagine that the, the base of people who already have Twitch accounts are are definitely different than the, the base of people who have YouTube accounts. Yeah. So you, you're saying you have about 20 to 30 people per like stream when you normally do it? Yeah, so that's at any given time. So you know, over the course of a stream, I might get, I don't know, like two hundred views. Yeah. Uh, so people drop in and out. Uh, usually, it kind of depends on the topic of, of what I'm doing that day, yeah. as to how many people I get. Um, but you know, I've had, I believe I have some videos that have. 25,000 plus, maybe 30,000 views. I, I, to be honest, I haven't checked the view counts in a long time. Yeah. When, at first, I checked the view counts all the time, <laughs> but now, I mean, I, I have well over 100 videos. Um, so we, it's, it's hundreds of hours of content. Yeah. It just takes forever to check the view counts anymore. Um, and then some of my videos just, they kind of flop and it's like a thousand views. Um, but I get most of the views within the first 24 hours, which probably isn't uncommon. Um, but you know, if, if I hit 2000, I'd say that's pretty, pretty average or, you know, pretty good 2000 views. And so they like, I guess 
everything is recorded and stored. So you could see every stream yeah. in the past that you've mm-hmm. ever done. So, okay. So you, yep. you definitely have people that can follow up if they miss the previous night. They can't ask questions, mm-hmm. but they can at least watch it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of people are like that because it's, there's not really a time that I can stream that would be good for all time zones. Uh, so a lot of people do, um, you know, they only catch the stream recorded, you know, occasionally I'll do a stream at just a weird time and I'll have people on there to say, Hey, this is the first time I ever watched it live, you know? Um, yeah, but it, it's nice that they're, it's actually nice for me that they're pre-recorded as well, because if I go back to work on something and I've forgotten how I did a thing, I can just go back to that video and, um, to rewatch how I built something and uh, that saved me sure. it saved me so many times uh, I think I accidentally deleted something that I shouldn't once and I was able to go back to the video and figure out what I did and I mean normally you'd never be able to do that yeah. you'd be stuck <laughs> so what so you're teaching you're, you're working through react native now correct yeah so yeah, so right now the main project I'm working on is just regular React, uh, but we we have done we have an ongoing React Native project that I haven't really done anything with for a while, uh, and then I have a side project that I'm working on that I haven't streamed about yet, uh, and that's React Native. Okay, well I think I think that's where I was going. Is it looks like you're you're hitting a, a variety of topics. Um, what what is out there that that you find exciting enough that you're probably going to cover sometime in the next few uh, few weeks or months? Yeah, so I definitely I, I want to finish this project we're doing right now. It's it's the main website for my university, so it'll be the biggest website that I've done at my current position. Uh, and we I've just been working on it way longer than I wanted to, so I definitely want to get that done as soon as possible. And after that, I'd love to get back to React Native. Uh, I think it's it's fun. Uh, it's just really fun to, and maybe I'm just so used to doing things for the web, uh, it's lost some of its excitement. But uh, being able to do something and then see it show up on your phone is really cool. Um, I, I don't know. For some reason, I always had this idea that you know developing an app was really hard in you know, like a mobile app. Uh, but you know, and maybe it is. But React Native makes it. I don't know, in my mind, it's it's so much easier than I ever thought it could be. Uh, so, I I like that. I I just need to find, I need to find some reason to do it uh, at my my current uh, at current job. We also have an um, an Electron app that we had started and not finished. So it'd be great to go back and finish and launch a few of those things that we had to stop work on. Uh, and switch over to this project that I have now. Uh, so sure. those things. Uh, the only other thing that I did do some streaming on my own channel about that I think would be cool to get into is some of the blockchain things. And uh, when you have my wife on the podcast, she had mentioned Solidity. Yeah. Um, so I don't really know what I would do. I don't have a project in mind uh, for developing anything with Solidity, but it's fun to work with. Um, and it's just, it's kind of a cool new technology. Um, and the space is, the space is really new. Uh, so I think anybody that develops has a shot of getting some exposure right now. It's not, 
you know, you put something in one of the app stores and it, it could get drowned out so easily. You know, it's, it's really a struggle to get noticed because there's so many uh, things going on. But right now in the distributive, distributed app territory, it's, it wouldn't take that much promotion um, to get the name out there uh, and, and get some, some users. Uh, so I think that's just kind of a new, a new opportunity uh, that it, it, it's cool. You know, you, I I lived through the whole app thing, and when really like they were some of the first apps that were popular were probably terrible, but they were the only ones there. Yeah. Um, and you know I'm kind of too young to really have been old enough to build the first websites on the internet, uh, but I kind of remember what they look like, and it's kind of the same thing is that you know you have a good idea and you do your best to accomplish it, and you could actually get some users. Uh, you you don't need uh, a bunch of marketing dollars behind it and that i mean that kind of appeals to me that uh it's still a pretty a pretty fair place to get into and it's not dominated by any big companies yet yep i agree with that sure sure yeah that there are a lot of people out there fighting for it but until there there's something solid out there there is there's real estate to be gained um for sure Sure. Uh, and that's a, uh, one of the side projects I'm working on is called uh, it's balance.io. So they have a website where you can check the balances of your your wallets, so your Ethereum based wallets. And um, the the big thing that they do is is their UI is really nice. Unfortunately, a lot of the UIs out there for for handling transactions on the blockchain uh, are really bare bones and complicated. And it worked for so long because blockchain was really just the domain of people who knew what they were doing and were really tech savvy. But now there's a lot more people getting into it who who aren't. And I mean, there, there's really never an excuse, I think, for having a terrible UI. Uh, but this has the nicest one that I've seen. And uh, fortunately, I, I was able to get involved. And now I'm working on developing the UI for uh, their uh, React Native apps, uh, particularly, we're working on the iOS app right now. Uh, so it it'll be a very nice, uh, nice looking um, app, and we're, we're really, really focusing on the user experience um, and and making it look good. Uh, and there's it there's tough. There's not one app right now. Uh, I'm I'm an Android user, so at least on Android, there's not one app right now that stands out to me as this is it. This is the one you have to get this one. If you want to keep track of all your balances and in your different, you know, cryptocurrencies and, uh, this one, I think it could be it. It's, uh, so it's kind of fun. It's, it's a fun project. It's nice to work on a team as well, because usually I, sure, you know, I got to handle all aspects of development, you know, where I'm at, which is nice because you, you have total control, but it's also a lot. You know, it's nice to just be able to say, okay, the develop, the designers give me the designs, I build the UI out, and then I hand it off, and somebody else connects it to the back end. Uh, that's just, I don't know, it, it, it's kind of a cool thing to work on. It lets me focus. Yeah, really cool. It, it, it does help when there's other people involved, for sure. Um, I, I know for, for a long time, I, I'd do something on my own, and and Randy was doing something on his own and we were in different languages even. So we couldn't really bounce things off each other, but lately we've been doing the same project. So that's been, a so now problem. it's just the blind leading the blind, but it's more fun. 
there is that. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's always so nice. Uh, and being freelancer for so long too, I, I really appreciate having a community. And the live stream kind of allows me to have a community of developers now, uh, which is, is something I never had. Uh, so, I mean, I can there's definitely a lot of benefits to being a freelancer. Uh, but you, you do miss out on some things without having people to work with. Uh, and especially, um, developing your skills. I, I think you can develop your skills faster. If you have the right people that you're working with that can help you, uh, even if you're at the same level or even if they're, you're kind of more experienced than them, you know, there's always some area that they're going to research that you don't know about. Uh, and, and you can, you know, being self-taught, I went down a lot of dead ends, you know, I'd try out this, I'd try out this course and it turned out to be terrible or it taught me things that were outdated. And, uh, you know, having somebody there to point you in the right direction, is I think it's nice. It's one of the questions I get asked most frequently is, you know, what resources should I use to learn? Like, what are your favorite resources? And, um, you know, being able to say, you know, this works for me, this works for me, you know, and uh, I, I think that saves a lot of time. And you need somebody that's gone through it before yeah. uh, to be able to, to tell you. Right. So how, how do people find you on, on the Internet, various places? Yeah. Um, your your so how do they find you on on Twitter? Yeah, on so on Twitter it's at Jesse R Weigel. I guess I'll spell that J E S S E R W E I G E L. And my YouTube channel is also Jesse. I think it's Jesse Weigel. I don't think I have the R on there. Um, free Code Camp YouTube channel is just Free Code Camp. Um, I'm on Instagram and I think I'm jesse.weigel. So it's everything, some combination of Jesse Weigel. It's not that common of a name. So even if you just typed it in Google, I should be, I should show up on the first page with a lot of my social media stuff. Sure. Um, I think I'm on most of the social media platforms. So I always tell people, whatever you're most comfortable using, just reach out to me on there. And, and that's fine with me. You know, my DMs are open. Uh, if, if anyone has any questions, you know, I can't always get back to you right away, but I'll do my best to help you out. And, um, yeah, also, uh, I hope you don't mind me plugging this, but I, I do have a Patreon account as well. So if anybody out there likes the work that I'm doing and you can afford to spare a little bit, it would definitely help me to be able to dedicate more time to the, the volunteer stuff, uh, that I'm doing. Um, uh, so I, you know, definitely appreciate that. For sure. And how do, how, how do people find the Patreon? Uh, I think I'm Jesse R. Weigel on Patreon too. I have links okay. to it from my, definitely from my YouTube channel. I have it linked to, uh, I didn't want to make a big deal and be pushy about it. So I didn't kind of uh-huh. like link to it everywhere. Uh, so I guess it's probably not the easiest thing to get to, but if you just search for, for my name on Patreon, it should come up. Okay. We'll find it and put it in the show notes. Exactly. We'll gather all that together and put it in the show notes for anybody trying to find any of these things. Yeah, and if anybody goes to my website, I built that years ago and I haven't updated it. <laughs> Everybody has to apologize. Anyone that's not a designer, you don't have to apologize. Does it work? 
that's what you that's what your it's job still it's works. it's an old wordpress site uh <laughs> that i built a long long time ago so it it still works though and uh most, i've always wanted to change it <laughs> sure most developers private websites are the last thing they work on. yeah so, i mean that's uh, probably a good sign because it means they're so busy with their other work you know they don't have time for that <laughs> sure well, I, I, I certainly thank you for, for joining us today. I uh, appreciate uh, you, you sharing your story with us. Um, Randy, did you have anything else to chime in with? No, sounds great. Uh, you know, you know I, I can tell you that people learn in a lot of different ways. So, you know, I encourage you to keep doing the free code camp streams. Somebody out there is able to watch you as you learn yourself and explain things and that's working great for them so just like your wife and my wife and the students that i teach you know having more people out there sharing how they do the job is really helpful so you know keep on doing that because i think it's great for the industry thank you yeah and i definitely want to encourage uh anyone who's who's coding and maybe you're not on a team like don't be afraid to share your code i was very afraid to share my code uh, even paid to get the private repos on GitHub. Uh, but now I mess up very frequently live uh, in front of a lot of people all the time. And it's the best thing I can do. I always That's the most unique thing about what I do on YouTube. And what sets me apart is that I don't rehearse and I mess things up. And then we, we work through the mistakes. Um, and that's super valuable. Uh, so it happens to everybody. So just don't, don't be too afraid. Uh, I, I haven't had the negative feedback's been very minimal. And I, I say that realizing that, that I'm a uh, kind of like middle-class white American male. So I realize that not everybody is going to have that positive feedback like I do. Um, yeah. But, um, and, and I know that that's, that's what, I mean, that's my privilege, right? So, yeah. um, but I, I would still say that, uh, the negative feedback will probably be less than what you think it will be. You know, if you're honest about it and just say like, you know, this is what I got. I know it's not perfect, you know? Yep. Well, and I do think, uh, rarely is the mistake you're making something unique and something that nobody else has ever made in their life. So, um, you making it and showing somebody else that it's okay to make mistakes. So, I'm completely on board with that. Well, thanks again, um, and we'll get we'll get all those all those uh, channels into the show notes. And we appreciate your time today, Justin. Oh yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Great. Sure. All right, and we'll wrap it, Randy. Thank you very much. All right. Talk to you later. See ya. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to this old app. Show notes and previous episodes can be found on our website at www.thisoldapp.online. Reviews on Apple iTunes are always appreciated and help promote the show. For questions, comments, or things you would like to hear on future shows, please email us at hello at thisoldapp.online. Show music is Guns Blazing by Fab Claxton, licensed by Pond5. Voiceover work by makingvoices.com. You'll hear from us soon.